a personal pet peeve really is I hate when people ask, you know, how many people are on your email list? Because I think that number top level could mean nothing. If only 1% of people open your emails, I don't care if you have 5 million emails. So I think for me, like list cleaning and just getting rid of people who are inactive or finding ways to re-engage people who seem to have disappeared. That's really important to me and just creating flows. So that would be something like a birthday email that, you know, that customer gives you their data one time, a flow set up, and then it's kind of set it and forget it. So it could make, can kind of be making money passively in the background because it's scheduled to trigger based on an event, like it's a customer's birthday or a purchase anniversary, or, you know, you sell a product that's supposed to last three months, you email them on the three month about a refill, something of that nature. Welcome to Become a Media Maven. In this episode, I am chatting with Kara Morin. Kara is the Director of Marketing at Rareform. Rareform is so cool because, yes, they sell bags and accessories like a lot of other companies, but the materials they use to create those bags and accessories come from billboards, like the billboards that you drive by on the road. So, not only is that very cool, it has a very cool story, <laughs> but Kara is going to tell us how she handles a lot at Rare Form. So she does PR, e-commerce marketing, advertising, sales, all the miscellaneous stuff like content creation, photography, all of it. She's going to talk about email marketing. That is her favorite thing to do there. It's what she started there. And she gives some great insight on what people do wrong, where people's focus is. And where it should really be, because where it is, not working out too well. So she goes into that. She also talks about how they outsource advertising. They handle everything in-house except for paid ads. And she's going to talk about why. And then we get into PR. Hello. I can't have somebody in marketing on the podcast and not talk about PR. And she has some pretty cool stories about Shark Tank about a super big podcast called How I Built This. As a podcast listener right now, you are going to like what she has to say about podcasts and give you some more insight on that. And I just, this is a really jam-packed episode with a lot of marketing information. And we touch on um, some topics that we haven't touched on before here on Become a Media Made Podcast. So thank you so much for listening. And as usual, you can catch all of the information and all of the links to things that we mention in the show notes at becomeamediamaven.com. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Hi, Kara. Welcome to the Become a Media Maven podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Christina. Yeah, it's great to be with you. I am excited to talk to you because you do a lot under the marketing umbrella. You are the director of marketing at Rareform. You've been there almost six years now, and you do almost everything underneath the marketing umbrella. And that's a lot. I was telling you, we only do one thing at Media Maven, and that's PR. We help with some content creation as well. We advise them on social media. But you cover everything from PR to e-commerce, advertising, 
sales, miscellaneous, miscellaneous stuff like merchandising, photography, manufacturing, inventory, all of it. Now, yeah. you don't do it all yourself because you would be like a machine and be worked into the ground. So tell me what your day-to-day is like at Rareform and give us a, a quick synopsis of what Rareform is. Yeah, so first, Rareform is a lifestyle brand and we repurpose freeway billboards into one-of-a-kind bags and accessories. So think about duffel bags, tote bags, but smaller accessories like wallets, iPhone cases, accessory pouches, things of that nature. And we have been in business for about seven years now, and I've been with the company about five and a half years. So kind of since we are pretty small, so a lot of my tasks that I mentioned, I'm not necessarily overseeing day to day, but they're still kind of under the domain of marketing. And a few years ago, they might have been kind of more my day to day job. So today, two of my main focus points are on the paid advertising side. So we use paid advertising channels like Facebook, Google, Pinterest, Instagram, and then also doing email content. So any of our email promotions, that's a lot of what I am currently overseeing, but still have a a hand in a lot of the social media, but then a lot of our e-commerce, especially in the marketing program side. So think about like customer loyalty, um, points, rewards type programs, reviews, anything that's kind of run in and through Shopify, that's a kind of marketing or customer retention program is under my domain. That's still a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it keeps me busy. That's for sure. So then what is your day to day like? I mean, you do, I mean, in my opinion, you do some things that, I mean, I guess there's a lot under the marketing umbrella, but like you're even doing like customer service stuff under the marketing umbrella. Yeah. So customer experience is under me. Thankfully, it's not part of my day to day anymore other than kind of managing it. But yeah, day to day, I'd say I spend a lot of time working with our ad team. Um, Paid advertising is kind of one of the only things we outsource. And even that is, I have my hand in it pretty significantly. So communicating with them, getting them content, advising them on strategy, informing them about, you know, upcoming promotions or new products, things of that nature. And then I personally just love email marketing. It's kind of my baby. So I don't really let a lot of people touch it. So planning our kind of monthly or quarterly marketing calendar, and that's based a lot around email. And so from the different campaigns we're running to also we run a lot of flows and optimizing those and just using, we use Klaviyo. And so using their platform has a whole wealth of really awesome insights and different apps and things that you can run within that. So managing a lot of that and then kind of related to the e-commerce side. So kind of working with the marketing and e-commerce. So programs that we use like customer loyalty, anything that can not just acquire a customer, but retain a customer too, that I do. So a lot of it for that is just kind of maintenance, you know, getting them up and going when they might be a new program to us. But once they already exist, then meeting with either the account reps for those different programs or the people on my team who supervise more of the day-to-day and just kind of trying to innovate it, make sure it's still relevant, coming up with new strategies, things like that. For people who aren't familiar with Clavio, can you explain what that is? Yeah, so that's our email marketing software. So other ones might be Constant Contact or MailChimp. And so they specialize particularly on the e-commerce side. So a lot of big 
e-commerce companies and smaller ones are with them. So all of our email campaigns, you know, that you get in your promotion folder in your inbox every morning, I run through those. But it's not just the day-to-day campaigns that we run through them, but anything like if you get an email saying, you know, you left something behind in your cart or maybe a birthday email or something like that. But their platform in, in general just has a lot of data that you're able to harvest to inform my decisions about, you know, paid marketing strategies or, or different things like that. And then they also, we use them for any of our pop-ups on our website. So acquiring customers via email, things of that nature. Tell me why you love email marketing so much and then give us some tips and tricks on how we can do it a little bit better. Because I think the last thing any of us want is another email in our inbox, but it's effective and you love it. So take us behind the scenes of that. Yeah, I think I fell in love with it because it was one of the few programs that I really, we didn't have any type of email marketing when I took it over about four and a half years ago. And so I really got to build it from scratch. Whereas, you know, we had an Instagram, we had a website, things like that when I came onto the company and my goal was, you know, either to just run it or make it better, but email, we had nothing. So it really has been mine the entire time. So I think that's why I feel like a personal attachment to it. And some strategies I've learned is, yes, I hate when cus- when there's certain brands that email me like every single day or twice a day, and they seem to not understand like either that I just purchased from them or maybe I haven't purchased from them in years. Like, why are you emailing me every single day if I haven't bought from you in two years? So I think sending them strategically for me is super important. So, you know, using the wealth of data that's available to you about, you know, customers activity, purchasing from you on your website, engaging with your social media to send a lot more personalized. So so not everybody should get every email you send, but a big thing for me, a personal pet peeve really is, I hate when people ask, you know, how many people are on your email list? Because I think that number top level could mean nothing. If only 1% of people open your emails, I don't care if you have 5 million emails. So I think for me, like list cleaning and just getting rid of people who are inactive or finding ways to re-engage people who seem to have disappeared, that's really important to me. And just creating flows. So that would be something like a birthday email that, you know, that customer gives you their data one time, a flow set up, and then it's kind of set it and forget it. So it could make, can kind of be making money passively in the background because it's scheduled to trigger based on an event like it's a customer's birthday or a purchase anniversary or, you know, you sell a product that's supposed to last three months, you email them on the three month about a refill, something of that nature. No, and that's smart because most of these email marketing softwares do this. They give you the data and the analytics to be able to implement them. And I feel like a lot of people, whether they be small businesses like my listeners or big brands, I feel like some people either ignore that information or they just don't know what to do with it. Yeah, 100%. I think, again, like I said about just the common question, even in the industry is how many people on your email list? I think that just reflects kind of a naivete of like not really knowing how to read your analytics and knowing, you know, things like engagement rate or open rate, those type of things matter so much more than just how many people could you kind of trick into signing up for your emails. Yeah, you are preaching to the choir on that one. I hate it when people do that. The same with that uh, with social media too. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, Instagram or Twitter, it's how many followers do you have? Well, 
you could get on a shady website and buy a million for $10, or you could actually like do this strategically and focus on more than just a number. Um, love that. Okay. So you mentioned that at, um, at rare form, you outsource the ads, but you do a lot of other stuff in house. So yeah. tell me the logic between what is outsourced and what you do in house. How do you figure that out? Yeah. So paid advertising, as far as the actual ad buying is pretty much the only thing we regularly outsource. And I think the reason for that is it takes such a unique skill set. Basically, like I assume in a few years that could be an, a major in college or something is just paid media buying probably should be by now, but agree. So to have somebody in house to do it, it's just, yeah, a really unique skill set. So one thing I like about having an agency is not only are those people like specifically trained for this real niche, but also they are working with more than just us. So they're able to really inform us, not just internally how we're doing, but trends that we're seeing across the board, across other clients, you know, they have direct contacts with like people at Facebook or Pinterest or wherever you're advertising to get, you know, insight about you know, how those platforms are run. So they're really allowed to be the experts, but then I think too, it can be very difficult. You know, a lot of that can be more like a commission-based role. So I think to have somebody internally where I just, I would almost feel that there would be a lot of tension of, you know, if that person was internal working for you, but they're also trying to make commission off of doing the paid advertising, you know, they might be motivated by different things. And, you know, if you're going through a tough season, like that, the blame can really be placed on those people. And, um, I just, I wouldn't want to be in-house for a company doing paid buy. And I just think it sounds terrible to be honest. So <laughs> yeah, I like that, that they're, you know, experts and they have a big resource pool to pull on. And there's, I think a little less tension of, they don't actually work for our company. We're their client. I like more that client customer relationship there. Um, but still with that being said, like we provide a lot of the creative that they use. So video content, lifestyle photography, product photos, you know, graphics, things like that. We have a design team in house. And so they're the ones doing that. And then we work with, you know, videographers, lifestyle photographers, things of that nature to provide them content. And they're always advising us based on, you know, what content is working well, what's not. And that informs, you know, the, the type of content we go after next. That's super helpful. I mean, it's super helpful for them that you provide all of that. And yeah. it's nice to have that extension of your team. Like that's what we tell all of our clients with Media Maven. We say like, we are on your team. We are an extension of your team. And having those resources is so helpful. Um, I want to move to PR because PR, that's my jam. It's actually, I never, I didn't go to school for PR. I never took any classes. I just come from the TV side. So yeah. I was on the receiving end of all of the pitches from publicists and all of that. And then when I wanted something with a little better schedule, I got out of TV news and went into PR. And this is something that you guys handle in-house at Rareform, correct? Yeah, I was actually hired to do PR, which kind of similarly, I didn't think I'd work in business. I definitely didn't think I worked would work in PR. I did study communication in college, but didn't expect to do like a PR marketing route with that at all. And yeah, I think I was basically hired kind of with no um, guidelines, just like, hey, we really need to get press and our story is pretty interesting. So we think it could be picked up. And um, the story is amazing. 
Yeah, thank you. It's so, like, is there anything else like it where you take things from billboards and make bags and accessories? Specifically with billboards, no, not in like a full-fledged how we do it. You know, there's kind of some one-off like Etsy-type shops or people that use recycled, like generic recycled content and billboard might be a part of it to make different products. But as, as far as people specifically using billboards with like a real brand identity in mass production the way we do, no. Um, yeah, and I just think our story is pretty interesting. You know, the brothers are fa- the founders are brothers, and so their story is interesting how they discovered it. And so, yeah, I think it was pretty easy. And I told myself I've had, you know, friends and other people that work in PR. I could never do PR for a company that I didn't find interesting and that I didn't really believe in. So people who do PR for things that I might find really boring, I just, I could never do it. Um, And already I think in, if you work in PR, your like success rate is so low. You know, you might send a hundred pitches and get one reply. And we have an interesting story. So I can't imagine how hard it is if you just work for like more of a run of the mill company without that story. Um, Well, thank you for acknowledging that. Like I want all of my listeners to understand, like you don't just hire a PR agency or start doing PR and then you're famous. Like, I feel like that's what a lot of the online marketers want to make you believe so they can sell their online courses. It does not work like that. So thank you for acknowledging that it's not like, oh, you just send a pitch and you're on the Today Show. Although. I've gotten clients on the Today Show. I believe you've been on the Today Show. So we'll talk about that. <laughs> so how does how does that happen? How do you actually start landing the stuff? Because it is crazy competitive. Yeah, it's very competitive. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Um, no idea. And yeah, I think one of my first kind of big pieces is we got featured in the Huffington Post just online. But, you know, they're obviously a huge publication. And, yeah, just somebody finally, a journalist, decided to read my email. I don't know why. But, yeah, I think once you get somebody's attention about our story, nobody is that's heard the full story has told me, like, that's actually not interesting. That's really boring. I'm not interested. It's just getting them to say yes to either opening the email or taking the call or, or things like that. So once they figure it out what it is. Yeah. I've never just been rejected based on like, that's not newsworthy. That's boring. Um, or like I've covered this already. And so yeah, got featured in the Huffington post. And I think once you kind of have one, it obviously it helps you to get more because you can use that as part of your pitch. It's like, Hey, we've been featured here before. Obviously Huffington post is a very reputable name. And it's so, definitely a snowball effect. Yeah. A hundred percent. And um, about a year and a half or so after, uh, two years after I started, we were on Shark Tank. And so that really helped to both before we were on Shark Tank pitching, you know, Hey, we're, we're going to be, we're slated for Shark Tank this season, you know, cover us as like a pre airing and then post airing too. you know, like this company got a deal on Shark Tank. So that also helped again with that snowball effect. We got tons of press that way. Um, And one of our kind of niche audiences is we actually started by making surfboard bags. So both my bosses are pretty avid surfers and they were living, my older boss was living in a surfing community in El Salvador when he got the idea. And so there's not a lot of saturation with bags for surfers. And so when we're pitching some pretty big surf, you know, publications, that was a lot easier because um, there's just not that many. Whereas bag brands, backpack brands are a dime a dozen. 
And so that helped to like, once we'd get in kind of a bigger like sports or surf type magazine, let's say then, you know, like surfer magazine has a really big name for journalists everywhere, even if they don't cover sports. And so that helped us also propel us into, um, you know, like different, more mainstream. And now surf, we still sell surfboard bags, but it's definitely not the core focus of ours anymore. No, that's really important to niche down. I feel like so many people, I mean, I have clients who come to me and they get in the mindset of, oh, I want the Today Show. I want CNN. I want Forbes. And they only list the big ones. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, that's cool. It adds to your credibility. Lots of people see you. But for example, if you're making a surf-specific product, you're actually going to see a better ROI from being in a surf-specific media outlet. I had a client on the Today Show and it was a couple of guys who created a running app. So like if you're in California and I'm in Florida, we could like run with each other um, through this app and got them on the Today Show. But there's people who watch the Today Show who absolutely hate running. And then we got them in runner's world, which is still a huge publication, but it is niched in running. And it's safe to assume that everybody reading runner's world likes to run. So I think it's so important that not only do you start small when you start just period, but you have to niche down to see that ROI and to build up something to get that big wow moment of something like the Today Show. So that's super important. Now tell me how podcasts factor into your PR pitching. Do you guys, are you doing that at all? Are you getting the founders on podcasts just to talk about the business side of the brand and how they started and grew? Yeah. So I have said to people, our Today Show feature was earlier in this year in February. Prior to us being on the Today Show, I would say we're featured in a podcast and that was second to us being on Shark Tank. So now I'll put it as third. Shark Tank, Today Show, this podcast. And it's called How I Built This, which is a very big podcast. I love it. It's one of my favorites. I will link to that in the show notes. I love that podcast. Same. Yeah, I love it. I hadn't, you know, I'm a big like NPR person, but I hadn't specifically heard of How I Built This until they actually approached us, which that's another miracle when they approach you is like the best day of your life. Um, But they ask, they have a small segment at the, you know, they feature huge companies like Apple or, or, you know, Nike, things like that. But five guys has a great episode as well. Yeah. So they have a small segment that they do on some episodes called how you built this. And then they feature more smaller brands. And at the time this was, um, almost four years ago, we were definitely a lot smaller than we are now, but we got featured on that. It's just like a five minute segment, told our story. My boss, the CEO, he told it. And that, I think because those people that listen, they're really interested in brand innovation stories, unique ideas. So the return financially for us was unreal. And we still have customers that come to us three years later, almost four that say like, I first heard about you on how I built this, or I was you know, binge catching up with how I built this. I just discovered I listened to all the episodes and I found you guys, even though it, it aired three years ago, then they did like a little follow-up right shortly after that. But yeah, that was huge for us. And I think it goes back to what you were saying of, again, like for us being on the Today Show was awesome. And, you know, we, we have a more broad audience of we, everybody owns like a wallet or a backpack, but still like we do need that niche of people who like interesting stories or care about the environment or surf or something. 
So I think how I built this was so good for us because people um, that listen to that, I think really care about unique ideas and are kind of always looking for the next cool or big thing. So yeah, that generated a ton of revenue and just a ton of customer loyalty too, because they have such a dedicated following that being a part of it, whereas the Today Show it was so amazing, but it's a morning news show. I don't think, you know, I grew up in a Today Show family. I've watched the Today Show since I was, I can remember, but maybe you aren't as like diehard loyalist about a news show than you are about your favorite podcast or runner's world or something. So agree. It's totally different. And I tell, I tell all of my clients, like, regardless of, of where we're pitching you, we are including podcasts because people who listen to podcasts are so different than a person who has the TV on in the background or a person who scrolls through their phone. Like they are so invested in what they're listening to that not only is the ROI better, but the brand building is better. The whole thing. It's so much better. So I am a big fan. Obviously I have my own. I've built my PR business by being a guest on podcasts. The last two clients I onboarded came on because they heard me as a guest on a podcast. So it's, it's so important. Love that you're using podcasting there as well. Um, you have been a wealth of information. Amazing. What else can you add that I didn't ask? Oh, I was just going to speak again to the podcast thing. Cause I've been a huge podcast person for like five or six years now. And it started because I had the longest commute in America, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, Oh, this is so cool. But for me, I'm driving. And so there's been a few times where I've like, oh, take a quick screenshot or like try and write something down on my phone really quick while I'm driving. Don't recommend it. But so I thought, aren't people busy when they're listening to podcasts, either running or driving or things? So even if they hear about us, I feel like they'll forget about it. But that totally wasn't true. I thought there was no way we'd get any retention because even if they heard it, they're not just like sitting on the couch watching TV with their phone in their hand. But whatever they're doing, they either stopped their run or, you know, maybe they took public transportation where they're hands-free or just listen while they're doing the dishes. But it was incredible. I love podcasts. So I was so excited about it, but yeah, definitely. We would love to be on more podcasts and that's definitely something we've thought about like strategically for, you know, next, next steps, things we'd want to go after. Yeah. A hundred percent. And they last forever. I mean, like you said, you still have people that are just listening to that podcast for the first time. I still have people who, you know, they'll connect with me on LinkedIn and they'll say, oh, hey, I just found you because I listened to this podcast. And it's like an interview that I did four years ago. It really is. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I, again, I love it for myself. I love it for clients. I even created a software just to make it easier to build a podcast pitch list, to make it easier to pitch podcasts, to be a guest, because that's, I think the hard part is finding the right podcast, finding the right person to pitch, doing the research about the podcast or about the host if you're not a regular listener. So it spurred a a new business for me on my side just because I see the benefits of it. Um, Kara, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. I will link to how I built this in the show notes. Um, I will link to Rare Form so you can find out more about what they do, their bags, their accessories, the whole thing. Um, Anything else? I think you gave us great tips on email marketing, how people can... um, can take a look at their analytics and their data and act on that. Um, Anything else? Yeah. Say goodbye. I think one thing I'm pretty passionate about and cause yeah, when people hear about all that I kind of oversee, they're like, what the heck? That's so much. 
because I yeah do a lot in the marketing, but a lot on the e-commerce side. But I've told people over and over, and this has been so true for us, like marketing gets people to your website, but if your website sucks, like it doesn't matter, they're gonna leave in two seconds. And so I think that's why I feel so heavily invested in like, what's your bounce rate? What's your conversion rate? Like, what can you do to educate people once they're on your site? Cause yeah, a great PR agency, a great marketing team, great, even a great paid ad team, they can only do so much if your website is terrible or whatever, you know, maybe you don't sell a product like we do, but whatever you're trying to get people to buy or, or download or whatever, if that sucks, then there's just nothing that they can do. So I think, um, yeah, seeing what you can do to really improve your website or just like being obsessed with that, just as obsessed as you are with, you know, having emails that have a really good click rate or great, um, paid ads or yeah, being on the today show or a really awesome podcast. Like if you're on the today show, but then your server is so slow that people can't even check out. It's like, you might as well not even been maybe even worse. Cause now people are writing bad reviews about you because they can't, they're frustrated and they, that's like worse than no press. Maybe. I don't know. No, um, I totally agree. Like I've done so many episodes speaking on this because people, especially when they look to hire a PR agency, they'll say, well, where are you going to get me? And how many sales are, am I going to get? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't do your sales. Like I lead the horse to water. You yeah. make the horse drink the water. Like if your customer service is bad, like you said, if your website is bad, if somebody doesn't like your product, like that's not on me. It's just my job to tell them about it. And then you have to follow through with step two. And yeah. so many people miss that. They don't understand that it's like a multi-step process. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kara. Where can people find you if they want to hit you up and learn a little bit more? Yeah, well, Rareform is just rareform.com, at Rareform on any, you know, major social channel. Then for me personally, I'm on LinkedIn, all that. So, yeah. Awesome. I will link to all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Kara. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it was great chatting with you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening. Remember to tap that subscribe button if you have not already. Leave me a rating or a review because it's nice to see what you are thinking when you listen to the podcast. And if you have any suggestions on topics for future episodes or guests, please let me know. You can find me at Christina All Day on Instagram and Twitter. I am also on LinkedIn. So is Kara on LinkedIn. I link to that in the show notes for this episode, and I will see you again in just a couple of days for three things on Thursday.